We are sacrificing our children on the altar of a brutal, far-left ideology. Yes, this is what we are doing, and we are doing it with gay marriage and artificial reproduction. Jordan Peterson knows. So why is he doing that? All over the world, there are people who admire Jordan Peterson for what he's done to speak out for conservative values. But when he had that conversation with Dave Rubin, it had reverberations all over the world. People who do admire him were stunned at what he said. One of those people is a great family activist in Germany. Her name is Gabriela Kubi. She's been here before. She's the author of many books. She's suffered a lot to defend the family and for that been persecuted in her own country. She had words for Dr. Peterson, which we published with great honor at LifeSite News, and she's here to discuss that, as well as her new book, The Abandoned Generation. Stay tuned. Gabriela Kubi, welcome back to the program. Hello, John Henry. Nice to meet you, even if it's only on screen. <laughs> Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, Gabriela, tell us first of all a little bit about Jordan Peterson and what your impressions of him were prior to this interview with Dave Rubin. I occasionally watch Jordan Peterson. I enjoy certain things. I look into a face which is open, which is human, and I believe what he says. I enjoy the faculty of thinking because in our time we have very little space where we can actually have a dialogue where two people speak to each other and they think while they're speaking. They don't put labels on the other person and immediately say, oh, you are under this label and that means this and this. So this really has a quality because with his counterparts, with whom he leads his talks, they actually have a meaningful conversation and think about the questions they tackle and Jordan Peterson goes on and puts into question, puts into question what he thought so far. And I think this is really very valuable. And therefore, occasionally, I'm not a follower of Jordan Peterson's, but occasionally I saw his podcasts. And in fact, I gave his book, I brought back his book, 12 Rules of Life, when I was in the States, I think it was three, or I don't know, maybe four years ago and brought it back and gave it to my son for Christmas. So I did think it's valuable. And he has this impulse of giving young men an impulse to become men, which is utterly important because feminism, the men kind of got weak and soft under the constant, constant, constant attack of feminism on manhood and on womanhood, and on childhood, by the way. It's absolutely destructive ideology, 
which does not mean that I'm against equality of rights, of course, but it weakened men tremendously. And so he has this message of rebuilding manhood, especially in young men, because he sees they are depressed, they don't know who they are, and he builds them up in a very good way. He talks about virtue, he talks about heroism, he talks of, of old-fashioned values, which are not old-fashioned, but constitute humanness of men and women. So I do admire him uh, to a certain degree. I want to talk about his interview with Dave Rubin and what you thought of that. Before we get there, though, if you don't mind, people need to know a little bit of your background on this issue, both intellectually, but also what is so impressive for me is, if you don't mind, what you've suffered for being out there as an activist for the family, for the faith in Germany. Well, first, a few words to my conversion story. I was in the 68 movement as an obedient daughter of my left-wing father, who was then a famous journalist on the left side. And so I was not a rebel, a rebel against bourgeois society, but following my father. So I got into this movement. I hadn't a clue what marriage is about. I had no catechesis. I had no real vision. I'm the child of divorce. Uh, which is a heavy load on every child of divorce for life. It's not something which is a cut and then you go, oh, no, it's heavy all for, for all your life. And as the statistics say, children of divorce have a high risk of being divorced themselves. That is my, I, I conform to the statistics, so to speak. And we had a civil marriage and three children. And in their puberty age, between 12 and 17, we separated, which was in 1996. And in fact, a week after my husband had moved out of the house, the Big Bang happened. And after praying a novena in my absolute despair, I knew I would become a Catholic which was just about the most impossible thing I could do in my family and in my professional environment. I had been a translator for 20 years and, and so on. So I knew I would become a Catholic and was received in the church on the Feast of Baptism of Jesus on the 12th of January in 1997. And I wrote a book which was very successful, My Path to Marry the Power of Living Faith. Still on the market, still translated recently into Italian. And there is something astonishing. I was in deep crisis. I hadn't a clue about Catholic faith, which is not true. Co not completely true because we all know what Catholic faith is. Our enemies very well know what Catholic faith is. And if we do not stand to it, they know we are cowards. They know, ah, she's not really saying or he, what he means. They are protecting themselves. Yeah, we all know what Catholic is. And it's a huge, a huge confrontation, Catholicism. It's not something easygoing. It's not a lullaby. It's the biggest confrontation you can go into. So I became a Catholic. I wrote this book. I became, from then on, I was invited to talks. And then I discovered the issue of sexuality. 
And I realized the destruction of sexual norms. I'm a sort of sociologist by training, by the way. So we look at norms. What, what are the values? What are the norms of society? The destruction of the Christian norms of sexuality are actually destroying the person and destroying society. Everybody can see it, that destruction of family is absolutely destructive to the person and to the whole of society. We can all feel it if we, come, if we are part of this, and most of people have these wounds. It was obvious to me, and from then onward, I focused on these issues and wrote my first book on gender ideology. I was actually more or less the first person to, to write a critique of it. In 2006, it's called Gender Revolution, Relativism in Action. There cannot be anything more relative than saying it's relative. It's not absolute that we are men and women. We can choose whether we are men and women, or we can even change our uh, biological sex. There, it couldn't be more anything more relative than this. So I wrote this first book, and then I concentrated on these issues. You asked me what I had to suffer. Well, just about every opposition, which, well, not exactly every, I never got life uh, threats on the phone. Somehow there is a certain protection, I feel. And there were severe things, demonstrations outside, 200 people outside on the street, 200 people in the room. And just, just outside your house, just to make sure everybody knows. No, 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 never anything outside my house. Okay. But when I spoke somewhere outside of the hall, and they had signs, there were politicians demonstrating signs, wäre den Anfängen. Be careful, what is it in English? Be cautious or be careful. Because here Nazism is rising again if you complete the sentence, yeah? So anybody who opposes this immediately is put into the right radical Nazi corner. They don't call me Nazi in this country. It's really difficult to, to somehow find any grounds for that. But of course, they call me right radical or whatever. Yeah. And then there was this thing about the, the play in uh, theater play. You reported on it. It's called Fear. And the homosexual director and playwright had portrayed five politically active, active women on stage and the, uh, with our clear names. And the actors poked out the eyes of, of these women. I'm, I was one of them. And an actor says, I'm Gabriele Kubi, and I am I'm, hate speech against Jews in Germany. Imagine, yeah? And my voice said on stage, wir brauchen Faschisten und Faschisten. We need fascists and we need a totalitarian state, which was a complete concoction, if that's the right word. It was completely made up. And the first, I sued them, and the first level of judiciary said, this is freedom of art. And the next level said, certain things are not allowed to, to misuse my voice and so on. Now you say suffering. It is something strange. One thing is that I'm excluded from the media and even the Catholic media in this country, which is, yes, there is suffering with that. Yeah, The closer the people are who reject you, 
either either in in thinking and 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 values or within your relationship patterns the closer they are the more painful it is and to be rejected from catholic media who know who share the same ideas but they say oh we don't want to get into this territory where we could also be rejected that is painful yes otherwise i just follow my vocation and i don't sit here and say can i say this can i not say this or rather better not better i i'm not afflicted by that i just have to say it as i did with the jordan peterson letter i just uh, i couldn't help it <laughs> i would encourage everyone to go to lifesite news and read the full letter but tell us a little bit about that what points were you trying to make especially what what really struck you i told you that i have appreciation for jordan peterson and of course the way he rose to fame was because he resisted certain calling people by the by their non-biological pro, by the chosen pronouns and so on and he was banned on youtube as you are now but they had to actually revise it and i think he is on youtube with a big channel and then he had this twitter tweet recently where he calls doctors who cut off the breasts of healthy women criminals and twitter banned him it is an astonishing fact in our society that private owners who own media platforms that reach billions of people can simply say we don't like you and we ban you even the president of the united states or jordan peterson and a few days later jordan peterson did a, well he joined daily wire and a few days later he did a big very heroic show saying before i delete my ban on twitter i rather die wow yeah a hero the fact is that he will not die with tweets like this he will just be excluded and lose his 2 million followers which he still has masses of followers on youtube and elsewhere so the risk is not all that high the risk is certainly not his life and i was impressed okay it's good to have a man who stands to his principles we need that desperately we and that actually constitutes a hero a hero stands up for his principles and will not bow down even if if power tries to demolish him he will not do that that is a hero and he se- seems to have certain qualities of that two days later through lifesite news i heard about his interview no podcast with his close friend dave rubin and i was simply shocked and i was not only shocked i was deeply disappointed because i want somebody to stand up i want to look to somebody who in this world stays sane and says the right thing and does not bow down to this absolutely mad so called woke ideology by the way a year ago nobody knew the word woke now everybody is using it and it's very amazing how quick such a term sort of enters the culture and i was really really personally deeply disappointed so i sat down i transcribed the whole podcast and i wrote my open letter of eight pages 
how can you do that? How can you let go what marriage is? How can you say marriage is the union of two people, not two women, to not, not of two women. Marriage is the union of, he says, two people, but it's a union and has never been anything else in human history, but the union of a man with a woman, maybe more than one woman, but man and woman open to give life to children and forming the social structure for family and the raising of children. It has never been anything else. He says marriage is the union of two people to provide the foundation of children. How is that possible? For a professor of psychology, for a Jungian analyst, how is it possible that he says sentences like this and rolls out the red carpet for his close friend and very nice man, Dave Rubin, to legitimize gay marriage and gay parenting? Why is he doing that? I, I have no answer which makes sense to me. And what I write in these age pages he, I'm convinced he must know. He always presents himself. The data show, the data tell us he has the overview of the whole of science. He knows that children need a father and a mother. And it makes me speechless that he, he sacrifices his title of the essay published two, two days before was We Are Sacrificing Our Children on the altar of a brutal far-left ideology. Yes, this is what we are doing, and we are doing it with gay marriage and artificial reproduction. Jordan Peterson knows. So why is he doing that? Just a quick note before we return. If you would like to stay up to date on LifeSite's coverage of the latest life, family, and culture news, subscribe to one of our many newsletters by going to lifesitenews.com slash subscribe. And if you'd like to help us bring our truth-telling coverage to millions around the world, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation at give.lifesitenews.com. And now, back to the video. You said something very interesting there. You said for his friend, a very nice man. And I think there's something there. You've had to do this in your life, but you see it all the time. The, the foes, if you will, that we confront when we have differences in faith, in ideology, in, in, in fact, if you will, on these issues of grave importance in the world, it is difficult for some people because they're confronting family. They're confronting friends who are really, really nice people. How do they reconcile having to disagree where those disagreements might cost them even the relationship because the, there's such fundamental opposition to what they're saying in, in terms of protecting life or protecting family? How do we go about that anyway, despite the potential losses in the face of Really nice people whom we love. Dave Rubin is a friend to Jordan Peterson, who did him great services. Yeah, he traveled around with him for, for a year and uh, presenting his book, 12 Rules for Life. But would a man like Jordan Peterson, who is focused on knowledge, who is focused on insight, who is focused on 
on understanding. I must understand this, go as far as my understanding reaches, things like this, he says. Would he really sacrifice his understanding as a psychologist who knows that a child needs triangulation, father, mother, child? Would he sacrifice this for that friendship? Is that the, the bone out of which he is made? Out, what? Yeah. It's hard for me to, to believe that. He has a, he's faithful to his wife. He, he met her in kindergarten or in school or something. He seems to love her dearly. He knows what marriage is. He has two children. He's a professor of psychology. It doesn't make sense to me that he would do it because of his friend. Yeah? Is, what, is there something else in the background? For us, of course, in the sexual revolution of our society, it is extremely difficult uh, how to deal with if that comes up in our own family environment. If I had a son marrying a man, what would I do? What, I do not want to lose my son. I would continue to love my son. But I would say and demand that they listen to me. And I would not, I would, I'm not in the situation, but I don't think I would go to the so-called marriage. But there's this terrible friction within families, and it really puts it puts us in, into decisions which we would rather not have, have to make. I don't have to make it, but many people do. And we want to stay in good terms with our loved ones. Yeah. And we still have to stay inwardly in good terms even if we make clear what the truth is. And to move on this narrow line where truth and love are united, that's our call as Christians, and that is difficult to do. Tell us about the abandoned generation. In fact, what Jordan Peterson is doing, he and his friend Dave Rubin, who with his so-called husband, uh, now probably it says the due day is the 22nd of August, the due day of artificial reproduction, is they will now have two babies in their home, which are produced with donut eggs, bought eggs, and they're delivered with by surrogate mothers. This is an abandoning this is one aspect of abandoning a child. And if you allow, I would like to go into a few details of artificial reproduction. Again, again, how can a man like Jordan Peterson agree to that and just say, well, you, Dave Rubin, and your husband he actually talks of his husband, have technical difficulties, technical difficulties in becoming parents. May I just speak about these technical difficulties? You have to get an, if you are two men, the, the case is different for two women, if there are two men who want to have children because they want a family, which is such a deep urge in the heart of every human being, and Dave Rubin says he had heard John, P John Peterson talk about how important it is to have a family, how important it is to have somebody else who is more important than yourself to care for, to become a mature human being. 
So Dave Rubin said, yes, I want that because I do not want to end, quote, more or less, quote, by, by memory, as one of these homos aging homosexuals who just chase after sexual experiences beyond any human norm, he says. He didn't want to become that kind of person, so he wanted a family. You need to have an egg donor or two egg donors if you want to have two children. To force the body of a woman to produce eggs by intensive and high-level hormone intake is a, a, a terrible odyssey. And women who have gone through it tell you about it, how awful it is. In the process to have finally one egg or two eggs, which are frozen by 196 degrees minus, transferred to a surrogate mother who is probably maybe in the Ukraine, because the Ukraine is one of the centers of surrogate motherhood, and implanted, about 20 embryos have to die until you have one uh, embryo which is actually alive and can be implanted in the uterus of a surrogate mother who rents out her uterus for 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 uh, gay gay uh, for couples gay couples who want to have a child this baby is growing in her uterus the mother the surrogate mother for the eight or nine months always has to say no contact no contact no contact to that child otherwise it will be extremely painful to deliver the child by cesarean usually and put it on the very moment it is, it is in, uh, has seen the light of day into the hands of two men. So this baby grows up in loneliness already in the uterus of the surrogate mother. And we know from, the, from research of what happens in pregnancy that there is an intricate and intimate relationship between embryo and mother and that the basic tone of existence of the baby is formed by the uh, by the psychology of the mother so what are we doing to a child at the very 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 beginning of its life this is one way of abandoning a child and john peterson and Dave Rubin never, in this interview of an hour and a quarter, never talk about the interests of the child. So this, we are sacrificing children on the altar of a brutal far-left ideology. Why does this only apply to transgender, to, to cutting off the breasts of puberty girls, which is now, as we all know, explosive? Why does it not apply to what we do to children who grow up in a surrogate mother, then are brought up by two gay men in the gay community? They're robbed of the most fundamental human right of the human being, and that is the human right to their biological father and mother. And humanity, fairy tales, the whole memory of the humanity knows that depriving, losing 
father or losing mother is a terrible, severe blow of fate. And now we are doing this on the altar of a far left ideology and Jordan Peterson goes along. You are asking about my book, The Abandoned Generation, by the way, today I got it from the mail. <laughs> it arrived here yeah, this very day. It's published by Augustine's Press. And this is just one aspect of abandoning children. I've written 13 chapters, how we abandon children. I was motivated to do that because I looked at the statistics of what children, the, the emotional, physical, and psychological state of children in our time. And that is absolutely deplorable. In some parts of Germany, more than a third of all children are in therapeutic treatment. And they have physical and they have psychological huge problems. This has incredibly increased through the lockdown policy because surveys of, in Austria, I saw 62% of the children between, I don't know, five and 17 have severe depression, 62%. They cut themselves, they're suicidal. Suicides have gone up like this. The psychiatric hospitals for children are overflowing. They can only take acute suicidal children because they're simply full. Yeah, so why are we not allow, alarmed? Why do we see every evening in the news so many cases of COVID, although nobody cares any, anymore about it? Why do we not see the statistics of children who are in a deplorable state? And are we not aware that children are our own future, that these children with severe psychological and physical handicaps will be the ones who have to sustain democracy, who have to sustain freedom. How will they do it? Yeah. And so I read these, these numbers of a new chronic morbidity. I, they, they talk about, and I look, when I walk around, I look into the faces of the young generation and you see an emptiness and you see a sadness and you see them in their phone, which, of course, is one chapter what the smartphone does to young people and the Internet addiction and so on. So I sat down and wrote this book. A couple of things for you, too. First of all, where can people get the book? Amazon. And I said, I hope it's not Amazon. It should be if it's not now in, in a few days. And of course, at Augustine's Press. Where can people learn more about you? I do have a website, gabriele-kubi.de. But it's only in German. I always want to also have it in English. Yes. And finally, Gabriele, what are you up to now? Just published a new book, a small book. It's called Propaganda, the Myth of Democracy. Again, actually, the motivation was because I'm invited to give a talk about the subject. And then I, I put down my thoughts and started the lit some literature, the huge subject. You could do a, a thesis a doctorate on it. It's a huge subject, but I looked at, to the, at the important contributors of the theory and practice of propaganda. Uh, propaganda is highly sophisticated in our times. Uh, 
there's one chapter, of course, on social media. The methods of manipulating our consciousness is are incredible and uh, more sophisticated than they have ever been. And the LGBT lobby turning this society upside down and coming to a place where now in Germany, every public building in Catholic Bavaria, once Catholic Bavaria, is flagged with a rainbow flag. They achieved that. They achieved it through the methods on the one side of propaganda, on the other side, on very, very severe pressure, harassment, and, and threatening. And in fact, not only threatening, but carrying out uh, the ruining of existence of people, who, ruining the existence of people who resist. Well, there's one thing interesting, and I think we share that with LifeSet News. I share that with LifeSet News, and why I'm thankful for your work. Do we openly give testimony for our faith in Jesus Christ? Do we do that or do we hold back? And we have all the arguments on our side. Faith and reason are not separated. They are one. So we can make our case easily without referring to faith. It's no problem. Yet, the people who I observe in this battle are nearly all Christians who actually take the risk, who actually go out and stand at the front and go into this battle. But nevertheless, Christians who do that brave battle very often hold back with giving testimony, with pride, with the good pride. Yes, I'm a Christian. And it is important to me. And I must stand up for the, for, the, for the truth I believe in and for the truth for which I have all the arguments on my side. And Christians withhold it. And with this book, I gave it to uh, the manuscript to a, a good friend. He's a psychiatrist, philosophically very educated, wor works on our side. And he said, gave me the advice, leave out your testimony for Christ. Because the book, at the end, I say, I believe, and I do believe it, that our only real rock on which we can stand is Jesus Christ. And if we do not stand on it, we will fall sooner or later. And maybe history drives to that point where every human being will have to make a decision. I think this is quite possible. And so I think we must admit it. And one reason why we are so weak is because we don't. And the, the, our foes, our, the, the, the cultural revolutionists, have not the slightest hindrance to put out the most radical and mad demands I talk about the Yogyakarta principles where everything is laid out. Nobody will be able to say we didn't know. The, the totalitarian change of society is perfectly and point by point laid out. They put it all in front. They say change the language, change the state. The, the state has 111 obligations to, to change the state according to LGBT ideology. And we hold back. We hold back. 
I came across a word of the genius Nicolas Gomez Davila, who has this uh, writes these aphorisms. I have it here in German. The word respects only the Christians who does not say I'm sorry to be a Christian. You know, our opposition, our our, our foes know exactly when we are not at the front, when we are careful with our wording, because we might be rejected. They know it, and they realize it immediately. And if we do that, it means we retreat from the front. We are behind the front. And I think this is just what Jordan Peterson is doing. He wants to be a hero. He says uh, he asks us to be heroes ourselves, but he will not go through the front. And if we are in a war, so it is legitimate to use war <laughs> concepts. If we decide we will not stand at the at the front, but just a little bit behind, that's our principle. We always be a little bit behind because we protect ourselves. It just means it, we can be moved along. And this is what is happening. The culture, the Christian culture is collapsing. This is just what is happening now. And Jordan Peterson does that. And it's so sad. And you don't, praise God. Because I think in offering people what we could as professionals in psychology, sociology, all the sciences where we can give them help to overcome abnormalities, disorders of one kind or another. But if we hold back and refuse from the, our peers, our society, the fullness of truth, if we hold back on the ultimate cure, on the ultimate gift, it is what's going to harm society and us in the long run because we're refusing to give in charity, in love to our brothers and sisters what we know will help them the most. Thank you so much, Gabriele, for all that you've done. And we're so glad to have a fighter there in Germany. Thank you, John Henry. I'm glad of your fight with life settings all over the world. Thank you very much. God bless you. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this video. And to see more like this, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. So check out our links in the description to read more, sign up for our newsletter, and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all of the latest life, family, and culture news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.